Thank you for tuning into the New Vision Podcast. Our prayer is that this talk builds your faith, brings clarity, and gives you hope. Enjoy the message. When you tell the person next to you they got the best seat in the house. Oh, that's right. Some of you didn't believe it. Like, you got the best seat. Oh, I'm so glad, so glad that everyone is here today. I'm going to invite my wife to come and join me. Um, today we have an incredible opportunity. It happens, it's happened a few times for us, and each time it happens, it just makes me smile because I love what God is doing. Um, today we have the opportunity to uh, dedicate a little one to the Lord. Courts, will you please make your way, bring whichever crew you would like. You missed a shoe right there. And I love these moments because it gives us an opportunity to, to see what God is doing, how he's growing our family. And so we're excited to be a part of that today. When you got this many, it takes a minute. Are we going to be friends today? We were best friends yesterday. Oh, man, we have a love-hate relationship. I think, I think because you guys are looking at her, she's not going to want to be my friend today. Oh, but we are excited to be a part of today. Uh, but we know, and those of you that are parents, like you get, it, it is one of the most stressful jobs. Um, every time they, they give you a child, <laughs> they give you a child at the hospital to take home. Like I look for instructions and they never seem to give them. Like, especially like when you're on number five, I think they just figure you can make it. Right? You got, you got several. But as a parent, I think we, we feel like every decision carries weight. Like we want to get every single one of them perfect. We want to make the right ones. We hope that the things that we're teaching our kids um, help shape who they are and help them to make their own decisions um, as they get older. And I'm going to tell you something that you already know. Like it's okay when you don't get them right. You won't get them all right. None of us get them right. Our parents didn't get them right. It's okay. There's a space where God gets to make up the difference in what we hope to live a life of perfection as a parent and what reality actually is. What you can do is give them your best. You do your best to love them with everything that you have, to encourage them, to speak life to them, to navigate each individual personality and situations and circumstances and you do your best in every one of those moments to model Jesus to them, to show them who Jesus is in every season, in the great moments where it's easy to follow and in the tough moments when things are spiraling out of control, he's still Jesus and we can still show them what it looks like to follow. And in scripture, we see children brought into the house of the Lord, into the temple to be dedicated to God. And as they were dedicated, it was a sign of commitment and dedication and service to God. And today, you have chosen to bring your child. You are so cute. This child that you prayed for, that you pray over now, 
you're bringing her into the house to honor God by dedicating Briella to God, giving God back the very gift that he gave you. In essence, what you are saying today in front of all of us and in front to the Lord, you're telling him, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And she and they are going to need you to not just say that, but show them that each and every day. Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 6, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Moses is setting the stage that it's not about one moment, it's about every moment, each day, helping them to see Jesus, talking about him. So I'm gonna ask you a few questions that I would ask for you to respond to this morning. Are you willing to help her establish a relationship with Jesus at an early age? Are you willing to show her what it looks like to live out a life of faith as you follow Jesus? Steph, I'm, I need you to, I'm just kidding. That was a lot right there. If you don't, that was good. appreciate that. Are you willing to show them, are you willing to release them to go wherever it is that God may call her? We have a couple of small gifts that we want to help with this. We got your hopefully a great, great Bible so that as you guys have the opportunity to read to her your favorite verses, your favorite stories, to, to help her to fall in love with God's story and his love for her, to help her to see that and know that, to show her when she gets to understand, oh, man, these are the scriptures we prayed over you. These are the things that we see in you and people that we find in scripture that you would remind her that God loves her and has a plan that is just for her. And today, as you make this commitment, I'm gonna ask everyone to stand because today you are not alone. We stand together with you as family as you make this commitment to the Lord. Bree, can I hold you for just one sec? Oh, oh, you are so cute. I just want everybody to see you. Show everybody how cute you are. Look at this girl. Oh, you are so cute. Oh, that was great. Let's pray over them. Jesus, today we dedicate Briella and Korth to you. And Lord, we ask that you would watch over her and protect her. Lord, that you would keep her safe, safe from disease, safe from harm. Lord, that you would guide her heart, that she would follow you with everything that she has. And Lord, we pray for Andrew and for Stephanie, Lord, that you would give them wisdom and patience. You would give them a resilience to continue to follow you and give them the ability to show what it looks like to love Jesus and to follow him with everything that you have. And God, we pray a blessing over this family, that you would give them favor everywhere they go, at work, at home, with their neighbors, that you would continue to bless their family. Watch over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
just a, out of curiosity, like, does this make you nervous? Sorry, not sorry. <laughs> All right. Just in case you were wondering, next Sunday is Mother's Day. So just, just putting that out there um, so that you can remember that um, and know that it is coming. Um, but we have a great day planned here, and so we hope that you will be a part of it. Um, and we know that Mother's Day brings up a lot of different emotions, and so we, we want to be present for all of them. It is a day that we will celebrate. It is also a day that we will hug, and we will hold people that, that need that, and that's okay. Like, we can take all of it. God is able to handle what we feel as long as we continue to give it to him. And today, since we had baby dedications, I was thinking, oh, man, I remember when Alexa was tiny, Oh, man, like my favorite, everyone's like, well, what's your, what was your favorite age with the kids? Not everyone. There's a few people that ask that. And like I love playing around with the kids, but probably my favorite age wasn't really an age but a size. Like when they were football size right here that they fit just like this. Like that to me was my favorite because they couldn't get away. They couldn't say they wanted to be down. Like we just got to snuggle a lot. Like the older they get, the less it seems like they want to cuddle and snuggle. And as Lex was little, uh, she was not a very good sleeper. Um, if you ask Mel, she will tell you that Lex was horrible. I don't, I don't really remember that because I see the good in everything. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was probably asleep at times. But I remember when she first, like, we would pray. And, and I don't know if, like, first-time parents, you just want to sleep. Like, and so we would pray, and we, we put on worship music, and we're padding. Like, I mean, I, I, can, I can put kids to sleep. Hannah and Kenny know this. Like, when they first had the girls, I was like, I got you. Just give them, give them here. I got, I got a smooth, like, back and forth, up and down, pat at the same time, knock them out. It just didn't work with Lex. Um, or it would work, and then when you would go to put her down in the bed, she would wake up. And so you do the slow pat please stay asleep, please, Jesus, please. And we would pray. Like, you know, there are times when you pray, and then there are times it's like, man, I'm pr like, God, show up, right? If you, are, if you were real, if you were ever going to show up and do one thing, like, do this. And we were disappointed over and over again. And she would wake up. But there was, like, I remember the first night that she slept longer than normal. And I popped up out of the bed just like normal because she's getting up every couple of hours. Mel was asleep, so, you know, I take care of Alexa. And <laughs> if you believe that, that's good. Um, but I popped up, and, like, I'm listening for the crying, and there was no crying. And I'm like, something's wrong. As a first parent, like, it, the first-time parent, I'm thinking, what's happened right now? So <clears throat> I creep into her room because if she's still asleep— you do not want to wake her up. So I'm in full ninja mode, like, slow, like, and then that's the time when the door wants to creak, right, as you try to open, stop. So I get in, and I'm, I'm just, I can't hear anything. So now I'm like, is she breathing? I need to know if she's breathing right now. And so I get closer and closer. It's at night, so, you know, your eyes are like this, and I'm like, I can't tell so I slowly put my hand on her back hoping that I don't wake her up and then you feel her breathing I was like oh so now I got to get out of the room I can tell you that some nights when we would put her I just lay down on the floor like it just wasn't worth 
potentially waking her up. I'll sleep on the floor. We creep back in our, our room. She sleeps for a little bit. And, and there were times, man, that she would wake up in the middle of the night and, and she would be crying. And one of us would get up more often than the other. And, and we would go into her room and I would then <laughs> grab Alexa and pat her. And almost every time, I would tell her the same things. I would tell her that dad was here, that I loved her. It's okay. I'm right here. I'm right here. And it's something, those phrases I continued to tell her as she got older, as she would fall down and, and get hurt or, or she would be sad. Like I would pick her up. I would hold her close and I would remind her, hey, it's, it's okay. I'm here. I'm still right here. I know that you're hurting. I'm going to help you take care of it. It's going to be okay. Dad's here. And I think when we begin to think back on memories like that, some of you began already to think about your kids in those moments when you reminded them, hey, I got it. I'm here. You thought about the sleepless nights that turned into kind of sleeping nights. And it made you remember how much love there, there is. And that's an incredible feeling. Like we, we want to feel that. We want to know that someone is there in the moments when, when we can't figure things out. And some of us have experienced that as kids. And then as adults, like we have people that will show up and be present when things are going on. And they'll remind us, like, I'm not going anywhere. Like, whatever happens next, like, I'll be standing with you. I'm for you. I'm just here. I'll be right here with you. And then what? It's, it's odd that for most of us, as we want those kind of feelings, we want those relationships, as life begins to unfold, things change. And relationship dynamics change and, and we change and life begins to happen. And, and then we have expectations that go unmet. We have disappointment. And we get distracted and busy. And, and oftentimes we don't see the connection in our distraction and our busyness with the disconnect that we feel with people. And that affects our relationships. We lose touch with people around us. And then the busier and more distracted and, and the more hurt and disappointed we get, it causes us to kind of pull away even from God. We begin to lose touch with him. Now, it's not that we're far away from God, but we're not as close as we used to be. Like we're, we're still Facebook friends, but we may not talk regularly. You're not coming and visiting his house, like, but you're still cool. Like if you see him, you say what's up, and he would know who you are. But we get to these places, and then... We start wondering, is this, is this it? Like, can it be different? Does, does God still know who I am? Does he see me? Is he present? Is, is he here? Does he notice me anymore? Does he love who I am? Not little me, not last week, but does he love me right now? And in these moments where we get so complex and complicated in our heads, where we think that there's 17 different reasons why God may or may not care about us, why he may be removed from us, he may not like us, let alone love us. We get it so complicated that I'm so glad that we're in this series where we can just pull back and see the simple messages once again. And in this series, we've looked back at one of the most famous scriptures of all scriptures so that we can know that even though we complicate things, that there is very simple truths that we need to remember. Or maybe you need to hear for the very first time something just as simple as God loves you. He does. He loves you. 
and he loves me. As difficult as we make that seem, as hard as we make that seem, like, oh, God can't really love. No, no, he does. Pastor Darius reminded us last week that God's love isn't based on our performance, but his character. And so today I want to remind you that no matter who you are, where you've been, what you've done, how you feel about you, God is still close. He's right here. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you and we ask that you would speak to our hearts. As we look into your word today, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of us. Lord, you know our week that we had. You know the week that is coming up. You know the state of our heart. You know what we're worried about. You know what we've been wrestling with. And so, God, I pray this morning that you would speak to right where we are. You would remind us that you're present. Lord, as we are here, I pray that we would be different as we respond to what you say. I pray that you would anoint me as I communicate your word to your people. God, help me to do it clearly and confidently so that they hear you more than they hear me. In Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me to the third chapter of John's gospel to where we're going to remain today as we close out this series. I want you to see the verse that we've made this whole series about. It's John 3.16. I'm going to read it for you, maybe how you need to hear it once again. Slow. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And I would encourage you this week to do that very same thing. He's still God. He still loves you. He's still here. And there may be moments when things begin to, to run out of your, your control, out of your ability to keep them right here in your hands, just take a moment and reread this one verse slow enough so that you can hear God's voice speak to you. And last week, the guys did an incredible job as they laid out the beginning, the, the God that created everything, almighty God, he loved us. He loved the world so much that he gave his very best. That was his response to his love. It was an action. And to demonstrate that love, he shows up in the form of Jesus. And as we see the rest of this verse, we, we see this invitation that, that Jesus could have narrowed the scope of what he came to do, but he actually doesn't narrow it. Instead, he widens it to whoever. And whoever is important because it's you and it's me. And so the first thing that you need to write down this morning is that we are whoever. And, and, and I want you to remember this as we look at this scripture that in this verse, Jesus explodes the gospel that grace in this moment was meant to go worldwide. And when we hear that, it's like, oh yeah, grace is great. The gospel is good. It is who, whoever can hear. Right? But wait, what about, what about the people that don't, they're not like me. What about the people that 
they vote the opposite of me. Does God, is, is, are they whoever is? What, what about the people that are sitting in prison for harming people? What about the people that abuse people? Is it, is it for them? Are they whoever too? See, sometimes we want to limit the whoever portion of what God is, is saying to us. But in one word, Jesus destroyed the limitations, the walls that we would put up. There aren't races and classes and, and social status that get it and some don't. With one word, he said, the gospel has a whoever policy. We may want to restrict it, but that's not at all what Jesus does. In fact, we can look through the Gospels. We can hear Jesus say this over and over. In Matthew 10, whoever acknowledges me. Matthew 10, 39, whoever loses their life for my sake, they will gain it. Mark 3, whoever does God's will is my family. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptized is saved. John 3, 36, whoever believes in me. John 4. Whoever drinks of the water will never thirst again. John 6, whoever comes to me. John 11, whoever lives believing in me. And in Revelation 22, whoever is thirsty, come. Come and drink and find a life. Paul and Peter both pick up this same thought as they remind us that the gospel and the grace of God is meant for all of us. It's meant for whoever. And the beauty of this that we so often fast forward by is that means that we're always included. That we don't have to spend moments wondering and worrying if God cares about us. If he thought about us. If we're included. Even though we will. Even after we talk about it today. Even after you amen me. It's like, man, that's really good. I like what you said right there. Even though we say like, oh yeah, that is me. We'll still wonder. We'll still think about, is that me? Am I still included? And we are included. That's the greatness of this whoever policy that's in the gospel. And we're not just included on our best days. We are included when we are at our worst. Because God will take whoever, however he finds them. I'm going to give you two more people. I'm so excited for this part. I got to get through this. Whoever means whenever. Not only will God take whoever, however he finds them, he'll take them whenever he finds them. Deathbed converts and lifelong saints are both welcomed into the kingdom. And sometimes, sometimes we feel like that's not fair. God, I went through a lot. I've been serving you. I gave up my 20s for you. I did all this for you. <gasps> it's not fair that you let people in right at the last minute. Man, they didn't have to live for you. We feel like that until it's our loved one that we pray with. Until that last moment in the hospital when all the prayers that we've prayed have been answered as they accept Jesus into their heart. And how we feel about them is how God feels about everyone. He's down for whoever, whenever. He'll welcome them right in. I think that that's why we see Jesus welcome the thief on the cross into the kingdom. As he's dying with some of his last breaths, he welcomes someone who didn't deserve to be in the kingdom into the kingdom, even though he didn't earn it. To remind us that he'll take them whenever. And it's also a great place that we can look at and see that God will take them wherever they're at as well. Whether you're hanging from a cross, whether you're in your room, whether you're crying at night, whether you're on your way to work, you're in your closet at home, wherever it is that you realize you are whoever, that you realize you need to give your heart and life to Jesus, he will meet you right where you are. 
my, one of my favorite stories in Scripture is the story that Jesus tells about the prodigal son who leaves his family and, and, and goes out and lives however he wants until he has no more money. And when he has no more money, he gets a job taking care of pigs, feeding them. And he's broke, he's starving, and he thinks, man, I could eat that, that'd be pretty good. And that's when he realized, I could go home. In the middle of the grossness of that pig pen, wherever he was, he could realize he could go home. And in that moment, he made his way home. And I believe that this story is in Scripture so that we can be reminded that whenever and wherever we are, as we begin to make our way home, we won't find our Heavenly Father like this. It's about time you will discover that he has been waiting all along, looking for you on the horizon, waiting to run to you, to grab you, to embrace you, to welcome you and bring you back home where you belong. We are whoever. And as Jesus lets us know who can get in the kingdom, he also lets us know how we get in the kingdom. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him. You see, we are whoever, but we also need to believe. We believe. And when we get to this part of the scripture, it's great that we see it on like a bumper sticker or in our background, but more times than not, when we see believes and trusts, we're like, man, that's a great word, but let's do something else. What can I do? Because we like words like work and earn. We want to be a part of this process. We, we want to do this. We think like, yeah, whoever is great, like include everybody. But how about whoever works, whoever does well, whoever is the best? Like we like that kind of stuff because then it's a part of us. It fits us a little bit better, but that's not how this works. God works. We trust that's how the gospel works. And it's that simple. And simplicity bothers us at times. Because we want complex achievement. We want to have a hand in it. It, it makes us feel deep. We, we want salvation the old-fashioned way, the way our grandparents got it. They earned it. They put in work. That's what we feel like. Anything good is, should be worked for and earned. you got to put in for it. And that works for most things, but not with salvation. God did all the work. It's now our responsibility to trust. A few years ago, Mel did something that I, I thought, this is cool for her, but not for me. She went skydiving. And see, you can tell by the response that there's some of you like, crazy. And others of you are like, I can't wait till I can go. So she goes, and, and since she'd never been before, it's not like she took lessons and did it all by herself. Like she went tandem skydiving. So she gets there and she watches this video about 20 minutes long and, and they give her some simple instructions. And that was her job. You do what they tell you. Mel didn't pack the chute. She didn't know what gear to grab. She just used the gear that they gave her. Her job was to do the couple of things that they told her to do. Get up into the plane. She doesn't know how to fly the plane. She doesn't know what altitude to be at before it's time to get out of the plane. There's a lot of things that she doesn't know. And say, hey, all right, you're going to lean out. And when you lean out, like stick your belly button out and pull your chest up so that you can fly, right? At least you arch your back. That were the instructions. 
That was the only thing that she had to do. The rest of all of the work was on someone else. Her job was to trust that they did the work. Her job was to trust that the parachute was going to work. Her job was to trust that they knew exactly how to navigate as they flew down. It was her job to trust that the landing was going to be as soft as possible. And that's our job. Her job was just to trust. His job was everything else. It's the same way that Jesus is telling us our job is to trust in the work that he already did. And when we trust, that's how we receive what he's offering. And then he helps us to understand it even more because it's not just believe. It's where we put our belief that matters. We believe in him. And for some of us, we even struggle with this. We want to believe, but I want to believe in me. I want to believe that I can do better. I can try harder. I can dig myself out of this hole. I can be a better person. I can make up for all of my mistakes. Show me the scale and I'll put all my good stuff on this side and I bet I can win. We want to believe in us. That's not what he says. We want to work. We want to own it. In Romans 4, 5, Paul assures us that it is the truster in Jesus, not the worker, that is justified and declared righteous. And Jesus makes huge claims in this one verse. He's like, if you believe in me, like, you get everlasting life. You get eternal life. That's a bold statement. But he wasn't just saying this because he knew about a way. He knew how to get to God. He didn't say it like that. In John 14, 6, he makes it very clear for us that he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except by me. He said, I'm the way. It's not just what I know, it's who I am. If you follow me, this is who I am. There is no other way that you get to the Father except by me. And it was believed so much so that his disciples doubled down. Read the fourth chapter of Acts where they make the claim that there is not one name given under heaven whereby men will be saved. It's Jesus. In today's climate and culture, we struggle with that. What do you mean there's only one way? That sounds very exclusive. That doesn't sound inclusive. We need to be a little bit more inclusive. But that's not how Jesus told us that it worked. I can want it to work differently. We can want it to be different, but that's not it. It's not one of many paths. Not, they all don't get there. That's not what Jesus said. Notice what he does. God's invitation is wide but the entrance is narrow. Whoever, whoever can believe, but who you believe in matters. There is a whoever policy. We have to pay attention to where our belief goes. Jesus narrows it. And he didn't narrow it to make it harder. He narrowed it to make it plain and clear. He gave us a very specific answer. And we will accept those kinds of things in almost every other area of our life. When you were in school and they began to teach you math, when you were learning addition, the teacher didn't say, ah, you got close enough to two plus two. You just keep writing six. It'll be all right. <laughs> no, they helped you to see there's a specific answer to the question that was asked. Think about directions. You know some of the meanest people in the world are the people who don't know where you asked them to go but tell you just to go this way anywhere. How do I get to, it might come from me. How, how do I get to the, oh, you know, 
if you just keep going, and then I think, yeah, just keep going, and then left. After a little while, you'll, go, you'll be right there. I got no idea where you're going. But if every way gets you wherever it is that you want to go, then just go that way. We don't do that with instructions. We don't do that. If we're going to go grab lunch today, you're going to tell me what restaurant to go to. And if there's more than one, you're going to tell me which one, what's the location, what's the address, so that I can put it in my GPS and get there where we're supposed to go. When we travel, if you wanted to leave church today and go to Washington, D.C., like, man, I want to go sightseeing. I want to see all the monuments. Let's go. You show up to the airport. You're like, hey, how do I get to Washington? And, and the person behind the desk is like, just pick a flight. They all get there. None of us would be like, well, sign me up. Here's my credit card. No, we would start looking. We would look for the destinations. We would look for the connections. We would look at the time. And, and, and if we're like, well, but that one says it's, it's going to Orlando. No, 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 every place goes to Washington. And you know what? Actually, the, the, the one that you picked, man, they got the most comfortable seats. Like if you go on this one, they have the best in-flight movies. The, the service is great. The, the food is great. Like none of that matters if it doesn't get you where you want it to go. Not every path leads to God. Jesus is the path. It was a very bold statement for him to make, but it was one that was loving so that we would know exactly how to get to the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal Life As we get close to rounding out this scripture, because of his great love for the world, God gives his one son to make eternal life available. He paid the price for sin so that we didn't have to. And whoever believes will not perish, but have life. And here's the spot where God makes the offer and we make the choice. He's offering something if we choose it, if we believe in him. It's simple, we live. At the end of that verse, we see perishing and we see living. And then we struggle with, well, what do you mean perishing? I get the eternal life, like I'm high-fiving people for that, but the perishing thing sounds a little bit harsh. How can a good God, how can a loving God send people to hell? My contention with that question is maybe we just keep reading. In verse 17, let's round out the, the conversation Jesus had with Nicodemus. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him, but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only son. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it. For fear their sins will be exposed, but those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. Does God send people? Jesus says, People love the darkness more than light, so they chose not to believe. 
And if you think about your own life, there were moments when God spoke to you and you covered your ears. There were times when God wanted to direct you, when God gave you something and you mocked him. You mocked his values. You ignored him. You thought they were too restrictive. They weren't what was best for you. You thought you knew what you wanted and you demanded to be left alone and God did just that. He lets you do you. Everyone, Isaiah says that all of us have went astray. We've turned to our own ways. When we tell God to leave us alone, he does. He's not going to force his way into our hearts. Does he send them? Does he still love them? Is he still good? He's not sending. He's not forcing because they've chosen the road. They've chosen the road. They've ignored the do not enter sign, the flashing red lights, the cross that is there so that they don't have to keep going. They told God, move out of the way, and so he does. C.S. Lewis said there are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done, and those to whom God says, thy will be done. You see, Jesus' mission was saving, not condemning Jesus wasn't sent to the world to judge, to punish, to sentence to death. He came to reveal who God is. He came to show them the light and the love of God. And he desperately hopes that people will walk out of darkness and into the light. 1 Timothy 2.4 and 2 Peter 3.9 tell us that God's will is that no one perishes and that everyone comes to repentance but it's our choice. See, we are free to ignore God. We are free to deny God, but we cannot avoid the consequences of our choice. We choose whether or not we believe. And what we choose determines the rest of what that verse means to us. Because if we choose life, if we choose to believe in him, we are saved from perishing and receive a life. There is a life that gets swapped out for the death that we deserve. And we are saved from perishing. And what John is letting us know as he's writing his gospel, as he hears the words of Jesus, he is referring to hell. There is a place called hell. Jesus talked about it. And it is a place of eternal separation, eternal punishment. There is not one description of hell in scripture that should make you ever think it's a fun place to be or a temporary place to be. And there's this thought now that this, what we're living in right now, this is hell on earth. This is it. Can I tell you, it's not here and now. But if you choose to believe in Jesus, here and now is as close as you'll ever get to hell. See, there is a saving from perishing, which, man, I'm all for. Like, save me from that. But Jesus did it in there. He continued to talk, and not just about not perishing, but about saving us to life. That not only are we forgiven, now we are favored. God will treat us like we have never wronged him ever. We go from outsiders to insiders, from enemies to family. And he gives us life that lasts forever. And it begins with this relationship where we can know God. 
and get to know him and experience the blessings and benefits and benefits of that relationship. And as Jesus here was referring to perishing in hell and eternal life points us to heaven. Oh man, when you read about what heaven's gonna look like, we will be in awe of the sights. And think about those videos that you see when when soldiers are reunited with their family, it will pale in comparison to the reunions that we get to experience. And need I remind you that the hero, the, the main attraction in heaven isn't all of the things, it's God. He will be there. We will be in awe of him. It will take us an eternity to know him. And the things that wounded us here don't exist there. The things that broke us, that damaged who we are, they're not present there. There is no stealing. There's no divorce. There's no murder. There's no abuse. There's no heartbreak. There's no thieves. There's no none of that. Creation is renewed, reborn, and restored. But that's not all the life that Jesus was referring to. It's not just about someday we'll be in glory. It's about right now. The word Jesus uses for life is zoe. It's life as God has it. There is a life that God has for each of us that is quality. It is fulfilling. It is vibrant. And it only comes from him. All of the things that we search for in our lives to find it only left us unexpectedly broken and wanting more. It's like Christmas morning all over again for your kids where they open every gift, everything that they've asked for, and then they look up and they're like, do I get anything else? That's how we were. As we searched for life, as we looked for more things, we opened some things, finding joy temporarily, but then settling back into needing more. And where our careers failed, where our relationships failed, where alcohol and drugs failed, where promiscuity failed, where lust failed, Jesus steps in and offers us life that is original life, that gives us meaning, that fulfills all of who we are. So don't settle for less. Don't fall for less when you can have life as God has it. And don't settle for life thinking about heaven when God wants you to live a full life now. Jesus gives us an invitation to accept this life, a new life different than what we've ever experienced before, a life filled with hope and love and his presence. And I love his ability to breathe life into flatlined lives. And if you are wondering, can he really do that? Can he really give life where there is death? He did a pretty good job with his own life. And that same power is available to transform us. He's right here. He's hoping that we will look to him. He was, he's hoping that we will stop looking around and we will look to him so that we can live, so that we can have the life that he created for us to live. We've looked in so many places. Jesus is standing by, hoping that you will look to him hoping that you will accept his offer for salvation so that he can exchange life for death, so that he can remove the sin that's coursing through your veins and replace it with life that starts now and lasts forever.
It's what he wants to give. He wants to bring remedy to our rebellion. He wants to mend the places that you thought could never be whole again. He wants to show you his power to restore if you will trust him. You see, what was supposed to break you, what was supposed to end you, what was supposed to make you stop, he says, if you'll just give it here, I'll show you hope again. I'll show you life. I'll give you passion. I'll give you destiny. I'll give it meaning over and over again. And if you'll do that, if you will live this life with me and for me, as you step into the light, others will see just how big God is. And you walking into the light may be exactly what your family needs so that they know that there is a light in the middle of the darkness, that there is a different choice, a different way to live. But we have to believe. It has to go outside of ourselves. It can't be about me and what I bring to the table have to begin to place all of who I am in who Jesus is. If I believe, if I confess, he forgives. That's what 1 John 4 tells us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful. He is perfectly faithful to forgive our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to look at us once again as if we'd never done anything wrong. but we have to choose. Have you made that choice? Have you given your life to Jesus? I would say if you're wondering whether or not you have, or if you think maybe you have, the answer is you haven't. Would you close your eyes? Because today all that can change. If you're wondering if you know Jesus, have I really given him my life? Today you can know the answer to that question. Jesus sent, God sent Jesus for you and for me before we deserved it, while we were in the middle of our sin, he sent Jesus because he loved us that much to pay the bill what we could never pay for to give us life. Today you're here and you say, Pastor Kevin, man, I, I need, need to give my life to Jesus. I wanna be sure that he has all of me. Today I choose, I choose to believe in him. If that's you, I just want you to raise your hand and make eye contact with me. That's me, PK, that's me. Is there anyone today? I choose Jesus. Yeah, see that hand. See that hand, yeah. Would you stand with me, everybody in the room? And I'm, there were a couple people that raised their hand. When we get to these moments where we respond, there's a couple of things that I always hope that we get to do. We want to respond to the invitation. And then we want to respond to what God has been saying. Because in those that responded to the invitation, if you raised your hand and you said, PK, that, that's me, I, I, need, 
I need to make sure, I need to ask Jesus into my heart, whether that's for the hundredth time or the first time, today you can know for certain. And if you raised your hand or you should have, I want you to meet me right down here at the altar. And as you step out, we will celebrate with you. This is the greatest decision that you can make. If that's you, we're just gonna give a, a couple of moments be brave and choose Jesus in a room full of people rooting for you. Meet me at the front so that we can pray. If you raised your hand or you should have, come now. I'm just going to wait a moment. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Who else? Who else? Yeah. Come on, don't, don't stop clapping. People are still coming. Who else? We're going we're gonna to wait. I'm, I'm going to just ask you to do what my cousin did for me. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, if you want to go, I'll walk down with you. This is the greatest decision you can make. If they want to come down and pray, you walk down with them. Is there anybody else? And as they're praying, now it turns to you. What has God been speaking to you? Have you been living the life as God has it? Or have you been substituting things? Have you been kind of halfway, hoping for heaven, kind of submitting, you know Jesus, but you're not living the life that he died to give you. What has he been saying to you? Are you shining a light so that other people will step out of their darkness? What, whatever it is, as the worship team sings, take time and respond. If you want to come down to the front and respond at your seat, whatever it may be, we want to create some space for you to respond to what God has been saying to you. Our prayer is that this message impacted you. We would love to hear your story and have you partner with us financially as we work to spread the life-changing story of Jesus. You can do this at newvisiongrandview.com.